0: So Acts chapter 17, if you haven't already turned there, uh, as is the practice of this church and I uh, uh, believe I'm speaking uh, for any Calvary Chapel, uh, our practice is to study the Bible verse by verse. Go through and so where we left off is where we're picking up and next week we'll pick up where we left off again. I uh, recently was sent uh, some video clips of a pastor in southern Maine that when his church I had asked him to get into the word more. Can you teach us verse by verse? Can you teach us what's in the Bible? I played it for Shane yesterday. I had to pull in, put some air in the tires, and I pulled into his shop, and I'm like, have I ever shown you this? And, and uh, uh, the Calvary pastor had sent it to a group, and I could not believe the, the gymnastics uh, that this guy had to do uh, to try to make a point Christians do not need the entire scriptures. Literally, he's making a PowerPoint presentation as to why we don't need to know the Bible. He said, We all know we're sinners, right? And then he got to the point where uh, he's making a, a, a statement and he's, he's quoting Jesus. And Jesus said, You know, you search the scriptures and you're looking for them. Well, those are the ones that speak of me. He goes, Do you want to be searching? Yes. <laughs> right once we've found christ we want to search him out we want to know him more right we want to grow in our relationship how foolish is it for somebody to to discourage people from reading their bibles and and this is a pastor right here in maine man i don't even know the church yeah i don't want to go i know that i get kicked out really fast so um yeah, anyway, so Acts chapter 17, we're going to get into that searching and and knowing. So I'm all excited here. So uh, let's, uh, I already prayed, right? So uh, verse 1 says, Now when they had passed through Amphilius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went in to them, and for three Sabbaths, ...reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead... ...and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. And a great multitude of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So Thessalonica is uh, today modern Macedonia in in, in Greece. So uh, Paul, what we see here is when he gets there, he uh, for three weeks stays and he's teaching, uh, as was his custom. On When everybody was going to be at synagogue Saturday on the Sabbath, when the Jews were meeting together, Paul was there to meet them. And and to reason with them uh, about the scriptures, so uh, we see here that he spent three Sabbaths, so uh, so three weeks, and uh, he's reasoning reasoning from the scriptures. So uh, Paul is taking an approach, and he's he's speaking to them based on things that they will understand. And uh, we're all probably familiar with reasoning with people about whatever topic, right? When you want to have a re- like, what do we say, a reasonable conversation, right? He's reasoning with them, and he's saying, "Hey, do you see where this? Do you see how this could apply right here?" And he's 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 talking with them, and he's getting to a point where there's there's reasoning happening. Uh, you know, there are, it's it's a great way uh, to minister. You know, finding uh, some, something to work with and going from that point, right? That, that's how we want to minister, right? We want to find some sort of uh, way to communicate with those that we're talking. I mean, if I if I come into uh, a discussion with a four year old and I start talking about, uh, you know, some in-depth biblical truth, they're going to look at me like I got a bike, you know, and, and, you know, we're going to have those type of conversations. Right. We have to be able to uh, to speak to our our audience, whether it's one person, two people, whatever it is. But we need to be uh, something that's that's that that works. So Paul immediately uh, gets into uh, the synagogues and he's teaching and uh, he's he's reasoning with them. Now some are more reasonable than others, right? On either side of the conversation, the one that's initiating the conversation or the one that's that's responding. But there there, there has to come a spot where two people can come to uh, a, a point where they can reason together peacefully. So Paul took the time to point out familiar scriptures to them and then explain uh, how they apply to the Messiah. And then more pointedly, how Jesus Christ is that Messiah. So he's, he's getting right to the point. Uh, that it says that here in, in verse three, it says explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and to rise again from the dead. Now, if he's in the synagogue, he's he's talking to Jews who are looking for the 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 Messiah that was going to deliver them from the tyranny of Rome. Right. So he had to say, wait a minute, guys, you're misunderstanding what the scriptures say about the Savior. And he's taking them through, no doubt, Psalm like, like Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, where the, the suffering servant that the Savior would be. And he's he's saying these are those that speak of Jesus, and and then he says this uh, Jesus whom I preached you is that Christ that that Messiah, and he's explaining how they apply. Now, when he says Jesus is the Christ, Jesus's last name is not Christ; that's his title. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Okay, so Jesus he'd be known as Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, right? Uh, that's how that's how they would know him. Hey, hey, aren't you? Are you, you know, Joseph's son? Mary, uh, is that who you are? But he didn't walk around with like, if they they don't have a driver's license then, but it wouldn't say like Jesus Christ on it. It's his ID, if he had one, would say Jesus of Nazareth, right? So, uh, so Christ is his title. That title, uh, 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 Messiah, uh, is uh, is is Christ. That's um, the Greek and the Hebrew word for it. That he m- must suffer and rise again from the dead. So he's telling them, hey, these are the scriptures. If you're looking for the Messiah, Jesus was him. And he, he's, he's making that point to them. He's talking in a very, very practical approach to ministry. He's speaking to them about their world. He's speaking to Jews that would understand what he's talking about, right? Finding that, uh, that ability to communicate. And once uh, coming as he was a Pharisee, he was a religious leader, he understood the scriptures very well. So when he's describing these things to these people, he knows that they know these things, and he can meet them right on their level because he was a teacher. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. So he's speaking to the Jews. He's reasoning with them. He's met them where they're at in life and has a very practical and very effective way of ministering the gospel. Now, ministering the gospel, uh, you you can't tie uh, certain things to whether you're a good minister or not. People's responses to it, right? Because people have to come to the point where that when they've you've gotten to the truth, am I going to accept that or not? That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to accurately uh, speak the scriptures and this and where it says that uh, that he explained them and demonstrated them, right? That we would be able to do that with the scriptures, explain what this means, and this is how that would apply. That's what he's talking about. This is what this means. This is how it applies. That he's demonstrating that. Okay. So he's like not, not knocking people out and then talking about raising from the dead, okay? He's, he's explaining this is the scripture and this is how it applies. Very, very practical teaching. Uh, and uh, so, you know, when he's, he's looking at these things, we, if we want to get good at something like this, then dive into the scriptures. Study who Christ is. Because all of us, every single one of us, are called to share the gospel wherever God has led us and to those around us to know the Scriptures, and to share them. And uh, so Paul found the common ground. He reasoned with them and told them who Jesus was. It says that some of them were persuaded. Now, if it says some of them were persuaded, that implies that others were not, right? So so you have some that were persuaded and some that were not. The same applies today to to the gospel. We're not called to say uh, that we can't make that decision for somebody but we're called to live out the gospel, to speak the gospel and point to Christ in our lives. And as we do that and we have an effective ministry, then uh, God is uh, going to do what he wants. We talked about a little bit earlier. We might be the one planting the seed. We might be the one watering the seed, but God brings the, the growth, right? That's that's how, the, the, that's how that works with the gospel. So, so uh, an individual is going to hear the gospel and they're either going to accept it, reject it, or kind of get in a holding pattern, right? You ever been in a holding platter, pattern on a plane? I don't know if there's anything that drives me more nuts, right? Because you just know you're spinning around in circles, right? And you're like, man, I got a connecting flight. and I don't know if that's going to happen. But you're in a spot where you're not progressing. You're not, you're, you're not descending. You're not ascending. You're just sitting there spinning around, right? And we can do that spiritually. You're just flying around in circles. Not that we're flying spiritually, but you know what I mean, right? So it says that there's a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few women. That means many of them. That means many. Not a few means many. So women uh, uh, that were prominent in that area, and those women may have been drawn in by a God that gives places of respect and honor to women because especially in that uh, pagan culture, uh, that would just state that they 're just extras they 're there for men 's pleasure men 's use, and then whatever you know they 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 were easily disposable, uh, but this says uh, here that god uh, maybe maybe it was uh, something that they heard that God has a special place uh, for them, and that they 're not just an extra they 're not just there to uh, to 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 be used or abused or whatever it is so this is the beginning what we 're reading here is the beginning of the church at Thessalonica. And uh, we understand that Paul uh, writes to them two times after he leaves, First uh, and Second Thessalonians. Okay, so when you're looking through those, you can, you can look back and remember. I'm French, so uh, I'm French and I talk like this. We can look back and remember, oh, I remember where this church started. And if you want to go back and understand how things were established, Turn back to Acts 17. So, in your Bibles, this is what I do when I'm studying: is I'll go, oh, cool, Acts, okay, uh, Acts 17. I'll go to First and Second Corinthians and go Acts 17, and I'll put something in parentheses to remind myself if I want to know where these guys started. Go back there and get into uh, what's uh, uh, what I need to, to learn and remember. Verse five. Now we're we're moving into we, we see what Paul's doing. He's been there three weeks and he's ministering to people, and some are coming to the faith and uh, and others aren't. And we see that prominent women within uh, the neighborhood are, are coming to faith and uh, gets people's attention. Verse five. But the Jews who were not persuaded became uh, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace. And gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some uh, brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has uh, labored with them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city uh, when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So the, G- the Jews that weren't being persuaded became envious. And we see the result of envy, right? So these guys are getting jealous. They're getting envious. Why, why is everybody following him? Why is everybody listening to him? So what do they do uh, in, instead of going to the scriptures or going having a, a, a discussion with him? Is they go find the bad dudes in town. That's what they do here. They 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 go and they take the sinful, uh, deceitful, and violent route, and they found the bad dudes of the area and want to gather a mob. That's the that's the the uh, response that we've seen and we've already seen several times in the book of Acts, and we'll see further on as we go. But that's how they know to do it, because. They are like their father, the devil, right? Remember Jesus had that discussion with them? He's like, you're murderous in your heart, and that comes from your father, the devil. And, uh, and so they, they have this murder in their heart. They, have, they, they would, uh, you know, in other ways, they, they wouldn't have anything else to do with these men. They would have separated them. Oh, no, I'm too good. I can't be found around these guys. But where they have common ground... Let's create some disorder. Let's create some distrust. The distrust. Let's just get everything spun up. And that's where they're at. So they know where to get them. They know where the, where the sinners are. Rather than having spent their time ministering to them and teaching them the word, they knew where these guys were and wanted nothing to do with them. But now they've got a use for them. Hey, you'll come cause trouble, won't you? You'll be the one that causes all the, all the issues. Why don't you come on over here? We'll take care of you or whatever. I don't know the deal. But they found those that could be relied upon to create disorder. And uh, now they're embracing them in their wickedness and in their compromise. So they cause an uproar and they attack Jason's house. They didn't find the apostles there, so they dragged Jason out. Now look at this compliment. And in verse 6 it says, Those who had turned the world upside down have come here too. That's a compliment. They're trying to insult them and like no that's the best thing you could say. They're like hey yeah these guys that are that are messing everything up they're saying well the world's already upside down right these guys were turning it right side up these guys were making things right and they were they were they were restoring lives and people were coming to salvation lives are being changed. So it's opposite of what these yahoo's are saying. So they've got this great thing to accuse them of and uh, they're they're uh, also accusing them of of treason against Caesar, and uh, they're they're saying, well, you know, Jason's just harboring here, uh, harboring them here. Good for Jason. You're looking for biblical names, Jason, right? If you're naming kids or whatever. That's uh, that's where it came from. And you could tell somebody, you oh, know, it's a biblical name. A uh, good way to start a conversation, right? It says that they had taken security from him. Rome didn't care what you believed. They didn't care if you, whatever, you know, they, uh, but what they did care about was you staying in line with their rules. So, uh, they, they take him and, and, uh, he's, they find out, okay, nobody else is here, but Jason has to post bond. Uh, and that's a, a financial, uh, deposit saying that he's not going to cause a riot. He's not going to turn everything upside down within the town and he's going to fall in line and he's going to do these things. So Jason to deliver himself uh, was where it says that he, they had taken security of him, that's what they mean. So uh, my, my guess is that Jason probably never saw that money back again. Um, but uh, it is what it is. So think of the blessings. Somebody to say, these are, the, these are the guys turning the world upside down. And you know what? You need to pay for your freedom to get out of here. Those, those things, remember what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And there's the blessing. You know Jesus saying, "Hey, rejoice!" You know Jason, don't be discouraged, right? Somebody, I wonder if somebody pulled him aside and said, "Hey, don't be discouraged. Let me tell you what Jesus said." And, and able to share that with him. Something tells me J- Jason didn't care about his money. He was just blessed to be a part of what God was doing. Verse 10 Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they had arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair minded than those in uh, Thessalonica. And that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, uh, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came and also stirred up the crowd. Then immediately... The brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. So uh, as a result of their effective ministry, the Jews came and got the evil men all uh, worked uh, into their plan. They went and stirred everything up, and then the church that was in Jason's house said, "We need to get you out of here." So they got him out of there, and uh, you know, Paul and Silas uh, went away uh, by night, uh, and uh, and Timothy. Uh, sorry, uh, Silas and Timothy uh, stuck around, but Paul went out by night. Uh, so uh, the uh, the mob didn't find them, you know. But if they did. Uh, things it could have been bad remember the the mob was met, led by evil men and um with with Paul it says that when he re, uh, had had came into um Athens that he immediately got to work and uh he is uh, he's not sitting around uh on you know just going oh I'm, I wonder what's going to happen here look at verse 10 it says then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue to the Jews. Uh, just when they arrived. Hey, we're here. It's not like, hey, we're going to go you know, check into the bed and breakfast and uh, we're going to get some food, check out the layout. He's like, where's the synagogue? <laughs> He's all about the ministry. He's all about uh, people hearing uh, the, the truth. So as soon as he arrives there, uh, Paul is, uh, immediately establishes, uh the uh, teaching his ministry there, and he 's seeking out okay, where can I find people to minister to Now it says that they were more fair minded if you have a King James Bible, it says more noble you know they they uh, with a sense of uh, with a uh kind of nobility, they were diving into the word here it says that that uh they were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the Word with all readiness. And search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So we're going to take these things in order. That they uh, received the word with all readiness. They were ready to hear the truth. And then we see that they were ready to verify it, accept it, and apply it. You know, they, they were ready. Their hearts were ready. God had been moving. God had been stirring them. And, and when they had heard the truth, they got to a point where uh, they understood that they needed to know more. Right, We talked about that pastor already, so I won't belabor that anymore. They searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They took it very seriously. Just because I say something up here doesn't mean that you guys have to accept it. What the Word says will always trump anything that I say here, but it sh- those things should match, right? I, I should be, be well-studied, and I should be teaching accurately and effectively and boldly in, in the name of Christ. I need to be doing that. But if pastors are not doing that, if somebody's standing in the pulpit saying we don't need the Word of God, find another church immediately. We need the Word of God. Why would God? Why would God bring the Word of God to be and then for us just to throw it away? Had a conversation with somebody. I, as you know, I grew up Catholic and I didn't know the Scriptures really at all. Part of that's because I was lazy and didn't care as a kid. <clears throat> But I don't know how many conversations I've had with people that say, I grew up Catholic and I've been in the Catholic church all my life. I don't know the Bible. Why not? Why, why isn't the Bible being taught? Not just, not just in the Catholic church. but Any church. Guys, if, if, if there's a church out there that's taking a snippet from the Bible every time they're teaching, some, there, is, there is a proper place for, uh, for a topical teaching. There is. There is very much a place for topical teaching where it's needed. But for us to know the word, wow. I don't know. I I love this because as I've told you guys before, I'm not creative at all. And my best way to describe that is, and you guys who are are here all the time know this, I'm sorry. But if you give me a blank piece of paper or a blank canvas and just say paint something, I'm tortured because I have no idea. I'm not artistic and I'm not creative. Okay. So I get to that point where I'm like, well, I don't know, at least in, in that, that respect. I don't have that creativity. You know, when when we consider what these people needed, they needed the truth. When they heard the truth, to be able to uh, to search out out the scriptures themselves, to get into the word by themselves, to understand, is this true or not? They took this very seriously. When they heard the gospel, they said, that sounds great. I want to know more. And they're diving in. Okay, so think about it. Who needs to be spoon-fed? Babies, if you're only if this is all we're taking in is what what somebody is spoon feeding us, where are we spiritually? Are we in the high chair, right, eating the little the little uh, container, right, right, of that gross looking food? It's all in a blender and everything. Babies, we expect babies to eat some of that, and I'm like, turkey blended up in that. How long has that been in there? I don't know, right? So right if we're being spoon-fed spiritually right shouldn't we be growing spiritually as soon as we've heard oh wow okay now I've embraced the truth now I'm going to walk in that truth and I'm going to be built up okay so uh, there's the spoon feeding and the milk and and what does the scripture tell us to do it tells us to grow that we wouldn't just be relying upon milk milk provides nutrients but man we need some proteins we need you know all these other things Uh, in our lives to make us spiritually healthy, diving into the word. These guys heard it, and they said, I want to believe this. I want to walk. I want to understand God. I want to know him more. So what do they do? They search the scriptures daily for the whole time that he's there. Okay, he said this. Cool. I'm going to go back and research it. He said this. I'm going to go back and research it. Oh, man, that's a way to go right there. Look at where, where it says here, whether these things were so. Look at the first word of verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed Because they searched the scriptures and found them to be true, they believed. Because they themselves got into the scripture and God revealed himself to them, then they believed. It's easy to, to hear in, like, in an emotional setting, to hear something and be like, yep, yeah, that's me. I'm going into this, right? And, and Jesus taught... Uh, the 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 parable of the sower, right? Those seeds can be thrown out. You can receive the word with joy up front, and, and then as soon as something comes along, bird come along and take it away, right? To dive in, these guys were diving in, and they're searching the words da- the word daily, to see if these things are true, and therefore they came. Uh, many of them believed because they were searching the scriptures daily. That should speak to all of us about being in the scriptures daily, by ourselves feeding ourselves, right? We don't need the little container there and and the little rubber covered spoon, right? Don't need all those things. We do at first. We need to be fed. We need to, but as soon as we start growing, right? And then you kids like that, don't you feed me? And they're turning their face away or whatever. Okay. That's just defiance. But anyway, you get it, right? You get to a point where you can feed yourself. You don't need somebody, right? So, so, you know, you're putting out little things for them to feed themselves. That's how we should grow. There's a lot to learn from babies. There's a lot for us to learn just studying uh, those around us. Oh, hey, look, look at how the four-year-old responds when his mom tells him to stop running with the, 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 the lollipop in his mouth, takes it away, and they're spinning around crying on the ground. <laughs> right? We learn that was something about ourselves, right? There's a lot to learn. They came to faith because they were searching the scriptures every day. It says that not a few of them. Again, that means many of them. Prominent women as, as well as men. Again, women probably blessed to know that they weren't uh, just uh, things to be owned. They were precious in God's eyes. There's an encouragement here for us to be like Bereans. The Berean church didn't know that 2,000 years later we'd be talking about the example they set. But isn't that neat to know that God can be using us and working in us in a way that somebody else might go? Hey, I remember when when this happened. I saw this person when they believed in God. They were doing this, so that was an example I can follow. Think about that. They didn't know that they weren't sitting down like, "Hey, guys, we got to get into the Bible here, and uh, we got to set an example because maybe then Luke will write about us, and, and uh, they'll be studying in Trenton, Maine, about us, and you know, on August twenty seventh in twenty twenty three. You know, they weren't sitting there doing that. They were just seeking the Lord. A very, very great thing. Now listen, they're listening to a guy that authored at least 13 New Testament books of the Bible. And what were they doing? Still searching the scriptures for themselves. That's powerful. They were still very powerful, very wise. What a great example. But then we see here, the jealous and envious People come and they want to stir things up. Once they get word, uh, they they hear that the that people are coming to faith in Thessalonica. They came and, as they usually do, stir up the crowds again. Paul's sent away and Silas is uh, is is there. I, I said earlier that he went to uh, to uh, Athens. He went to Berea. I apologize for that. Just to clarify that he goes to Athens after this. <clears throat> But they were, uh, they were jealous, and uh, the crowds come. Paul gets sent away, uh, Silas and Timothy. Uh, they remain there. Paul was the leader, and uh, he would have been the one sought after by the mob. So Paul uh, goes to Greece, uh, to Athens, and after getting there, he says, send Silas and Timothy to me, and uh, with all speed, it says. So uh, we see the directions, right? They're going, they're preaching the word, and once it gets To a violent point, they say, okay, we're going to pack up and head out. They had experience. They'd been through, right? Paul had already been stoned and and assumed to be dead, right? He'd been through it. They'd already been beaten with rods before too, right? These guys weren't afraid to share the scriptures. But when they knew, hey, you know what? It might be smart for us to get away because this mob's going to take us out. All right, we're going to the next place. So here they are, and they're moving on again. Verse 16 says, now while Paul awaited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he remained in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshippers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers uh, encountered him. And some said, "What what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him, this is a friendly taking, and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, "We uh, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. So, uh, you know, while waiting for Silas and Timothy to come along, Paul was stirred by the idolatry around him, and uh, he uh, he just he got to work. You know, he didn't stand on the sidelines and wait for someone else. Uh, he was there and could preach, so he did, uh, and he's uh, in a spot that, He's again, verse 17 says, therefore, he reasoned in the synagogues uh, with the Jews and the Gentile worshipers. So he sees idolatry all around and uh, that they were fully given to idolatry and they've got idols everywhere. So he's getting to work and he uh, he's reasoning again in the synagogue, with the Jews and Gentile worshipers. Uh, And it says here that he reasoned in the marketplace daily with those that were there. Paul was ready to share his faith with whomever and wherever he was he was ready so we know that he was in the synagogue right and that's where you would expect somebody to preach but he's also like as he's standing in the marketplace he's like hey you heard about jesus you know he just wherever he is he's just having conversations with people with those that happen to be there just practical guys we don't have to have the, the okay i'm going to take my uh, my pa system here i got to have this and this just talk just sharing as God leads and God uh, opens things up that we could share His gospel. Be ready to explain our faith. What does Peter say? First Peter three fifteen. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Be ready. Right. So so Paul is just preaching the gospel to whoever's going to listen. Right. He's, he's, getting, he's at that point where he's like, hey, I'm in the marketplace. I'm going to preach. I'm in the synagogue. I'm going to preach. I'm going to tell people about Jesus Christ. And some are calling him a babbler. Some are proclaiming, saying that he's a proclaimer of foreign gods. And when it says the Epicureans, now this is, a, this is a group that their chief drive in life, their chief pursuit was pleasure. They were all about pleasure. They didn't deny that gods exist. Existed. They just didn't think that gods wanted anything to do with mankind. Little g gods don't, right, because they're fake. The big G, singular god, the creator of the heaven and earth, very much wants uh, everything to do with us, wants to have a personal relationship with us. So that's the Epicureans and the Stoics. Now these are pantheists that believed in many gods, but they had a great emphasis on, on moral sincerity and a high sense of duty. They believed that everything was God. Good and evil was was from God. No real direction for destiny or uh, direction for mankind. But they believed in order. They believed that people should conduct themselves in a moral way. So you have two different groups. You see, you have the the those that are indulging in pleasure and those that say, you know what, we worship all kinds of other gods, but you need to be moral in your conduct. So they have them uh both, so they take him to the Areopagus, which would be the uh, what would be called as uh, a Marshall peak. It's a rocky height in the city of Athens. It would have been the highest place for them uh your Bible may say Mars Hill, small hill covered in stone seats, and this is where trials, debates, and important discussions would happen and it also uh they would also address um you know a group of leaders that would meet there so uh, if somebody was there, they'd be addressing that group of leaders, 12 of them. So uh, in what they're saying is this is strange stuff, and they asked him what he meant. Like you're saying a bunch of stuff we've never heard before. Remember, he's in Athens, and these guys just sit around all day, as it says here, uh, worshiping knowledge. They're just sitting there waiting to learn something new, right? Look at verse 21. It says, For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear something new. So their lives were fully devoted. They worshipped knowledge. They worshipped the fact that they could learn something new. That's what they were giving themselves, their lives wholly over to. So they're obsessed with finding the next big thing. If you if you find in your heart or in your mind that you're searching for the next big thing, that should be a massive Caution flag for us Because I'm just trying to get myself stirred up About something new you know, When the scriptures tell us to s- stick to the old Path right I think it's Jeremiah 6 It's talking about the old path Somebody correct me on that if you if you remember later please. Uh, but the old path That we would seek the old path The old path God's path doesn't change God is the same yesterday, today and forever These guys all just want to say Yeah we've heard that before That's old news right but if we're always constantly seeking those things you know ask the lord to reveal what's happening in your heart so they're always searching but we see never filled always searching i got to find this i got to find that that's wandering that's wandering they're wandering because the seek uh, the, the truth is the secret uh, ingredient that they're looking for they haven't heard the truth so they can all they just got to keep listening to all these lies, they got to keep listening to all these things that are happening. Romans three verses three and four says, "For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. every man a liar, let God be true and every man a liar. you want the truth that's what they needed." Uh, then uh, Paul was ready uh, to give it to them. You know, our society also worships knowledge. You know, there's a lot of people that say, if you don't have the credentials, then I'm not going to listen, even within the church. Guys, I haven't been through seminary. I've taken a couple Bible classes from Moody Bible, so blessed by it. And if somebody has the opportunity to do it, do it. Because go to a Bible teaching college. There are Bible colleges that I would not send somebody to. Because when they come out, they come out as unbelievers. They're just there and they're getting their faith murdered. No, one that's going to teach you and, and, and guide you and help you understand God more and to be a more knowledgeable servant. Okay? There is there is much to be gained from being able to separate yourself. Dustin just, just graduated. Uh, congratulations to Dustin, by the way. He just graduated from uh, Calvary Residential Discipleship last week. And God did an amazing work in this man. Dustin, for a year, has had the Bible just pounded into you, right? Right? Yes. In love. And he came out with so much more knowledge of the Lord and of his word as a result of being in a residential discipleship program, I'm not saying that we that you can't benefit from a time of of uh, a discipleship program, a school of ministry, uh, going to a Bible college. That's all great. If if you're going to one, that's going to teach you the Word accurately and encourage you in your faith, instead of destroying your faith. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox and keep moving. I say that because there are universities in this country that were established with strong Christian beginnings. And anybody who's been here knows this list that's coming because Will shared it with us. I, I looked at uh, I was looking some of these up and I found from Answers in Genesis. I'm like, okay, that's a that's a strong reference. And they say that Harvard was named after a Christian minister. Yale was started by a clergyman. Princeton, uh, the first year of class was taught by Reverend John Dickinson. Princeton's crest says, and I'm going to say this in Latin, I'll probably mess up the word, De sub numine viget, okay? Uh, which is Latin for under God she flourishes. Do you know any of those as godly institutions? No, it's the Ivy League. Those that are too smart for God now is really uh, you know what's taught. I'm not saying there aren't Christians there. But those aren't known as, as Christian training centers, people that have been spun up and, 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 and uh, really dive into uh, the scriptures anymore. In fact, they're rejecting God. It's too bad. So they, these schools turn from the literal guidance in the scriptures about things like the flood. and They started embracing, embracing evolution and Darwinism. Darwin was a racist, by the way. <clears throat> Instead of clinging to creation, they slid into believing nationalism, a uh, naturalism. And then look where it happened from there. They started embracing these little things and look where, it, where it, it's slipped down into Thankfully, the the scriptures set the record straight forth. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 27 through 29, that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God had something to say about that in the Scripture, so they can get all proud of their names and their heritages, and uh, you know, trying to wipe out where they started. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, the weak things to put to shame the things that are mighty. That's a powerful way to look at that. Verse twenty-two. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus. So Areopagus would be the place. Uh, and there would be uh, uh, 12 rulers there, but no doubt more people were, were kind of hanging out around. Uh, but in uh, and, and Paul, it says, and said, so he stood in the midst and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of worship, I found an altar with the ins- inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him I proclaim to you. So this is awesome. So Paul's in front of all the leaders, and Paul states that they appear to be very religious. You know, there are a lot of people in our, even just in our culture, in our, in our country, in our state, and in our neighborhoods, that that say that they're very spiritual. Being very spiritual doesn't mean that they are are Christians and that they're walking with the Lord. They're, what usually means is that they're very emotional. They're very driven by emotional things so uh that's just when you hear that just there should be a light going off in your head spiritual what does that mean now you've probably heard this before if you've been in uh, Bible teachings over the years but religion is man's attempt to reach God or a god that's that's what religion is you know other than leading to Christ religion uh, outside of knowing God will always lead somebody away from God now, Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but through me, right? Uh, and you guys have heard me quote this a million times. There's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Okay? If the Bible declares that and we believe it, we have to understand that the Bible is saying one God. There's one God. He's talking. There's. It's even said that they may have been worshiping up to three. There might have been 3,000 altars there. That's a lot of little G-Gods. Right, that's all. Hey, so what do you do? What do you do? You know the, the conversations that are happening there. Well, according to this guy and that God, and you know, there's there's all kinds of things there. So everybody's always got something that they want to share. They want to elevate themselves and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm something. I got something new for you and everything. And here comes Paul with the simplicity of knowing God. You know, the one and only true God is the one uh, that uh, went to the fur- furthest extent to reach man. He says to the unknown God, therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. You know, many can be religious, but we're not called to that. What does the scripture call us to? To know Jesus Christ, right? First, uh, first John 520. We read it today as our memory verse and says, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true and his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. That's what we're called to, not to be religious. And as I said, coming out of a Roman Catholic background, I learned all about a religious practice, right? When I need to pray, I need to have this necklace, and I, and I need to be able to move up the rosary, and I need to say this prayer, and I need to do this thing, and I need to sit and stand. And That's all a religious process. We're called to a relationship with Christ. I love that simplicity, guys. It's so awesome. A relationship with Christ that we would know him. Do you notice it says that in there? Uh, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. (sighs) Isn't that a relief? (laughs) Like that's what we're called to do, just know God. How do we know God? Search the scriptures daily. Oh, what a blessing. Now they're trying to include all gods, and in case they miss any, they had one that says to the unknown god. They want to make sure they're pleasing all gods. The one they didn't know was the one that sent Paul, so that they could hear the truth. And Paul had their attention now, and they wanted to hear something new. And and you know, here it was for Paul. You know, Paul's grabbed their attention now. Hey, you know that 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 uh, altar you got out there the unknown god? I'm here to talk to you about that one. Oh, we haven't heard anything about this one. So they're all getting out their stone tablets and chisels, and they're ready to learn, right? have got if Paul's got their attention. He's he's reeled them in. He's 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 got them uh, listening. Verse twenty-four says, "God, who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth." You see how He says that? I like that. Since He is Lord in heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. So Paul immediately introduces God as the one that created the world and everything in it. Okay, this is I got your attention now. I'm going to start off with, I saw all these things. I'm going to tell you about this unknown God, the one that you're trying to honor. He's the one that created everything. So he's setting a very strong foundation. They were used to so many different gods and attributing different things to each. Paul's claiming that, that the God of Israel, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, some will say uh, it's, it's pronounced Jehovah, is the one that made it all. Paul it just it doesn't hold back any punches. He says he's the Lord of heaven and earth. <clears throat> he says he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. God made everything, and he doesn't need man. He gives man everything we need, life, breath, and all things. If God needs anything from us, he's not God. If God's like, oh, you know, if, if only I had this, I could I could then, I could do these things. I really need these people. Remember that when people are talking about the TV preacher saying, hey, it's Triple Tide Sunday, right? I really got to go buy a new car, but yeah, or whatever it is, right? They're taking money out of people's wallets in the name of God. God doesn't need us. He wants us. He wants, he deeply desires our personal relationship because that's the best thing for us, to know him, right? And to walk with him. That's where life is in walking with Christ. Paul goes on in verse 26, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of, uh, sorry, on all the face of the earth and has Determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. He's saying God's in control of everything. Everything. Everybody came from one blood, and He's got control of all the nations, and He tells them where they can be. And all they don't know it, but Paul is saying God predetermined all this. They that that where uh, everybody's set up, where everything that's going on, God has uh, a plan, and He's working out His plan so uh, he he's now starting to address a little bit more of of uh, his, as he's drawing them in of uh, what he wants him to understand about the Lord. so he's now rewinding and introducing God uh, a little bit further as uh, the one who created all things and that he has control of all things, and that everybody's tied uh, to these two individuals, right from one blood, Adam and Eve, right from one blood. That it would go through. Paul explains that God uh, <clears throat> determines uh, the nations, the times, the boundaries. Psalm 24 verses one and two uh, say, "The Lord is uh, sorry. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Everything is God's. He does what He wants. He's the Creator, right? If you make something, right? Even from back when we were kids." this is mine, I made it, right? You could tell your brother or sister to leave it alone, all those things, right, because that's what you made. God kind of created everything so he can do what he wants. That's a blessing of knowing. Well, you know what, I don't know. Have you ever been to the point where you're so worried about something you're like, wait a minute, I can't change that at all. And you say, well, that's God's thing. You know, I've been so many times where I've had burdens lifted where I realized this isn't mine. I can just give it to God and keep going. Paul's making sure they understand who he, who God is. Verse 27, so that they should, uh, so I'm going to, I need to back up a little bit, uh, a little bit, it says, uh, in the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Remember, remember, the Epicureans believed that they didn't think that God, their gods had anything to do with man, didn't even care. What, this, this is going to grab their attention, right? Though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of, of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold and silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. So Paul is saying that God has, has put the nations where they want and that he's saying so that they might seek the Lord and grope for him and find him. God's got everybody everywhere he wants so that he can minister to them. So he's talking about the nations, but think about the people we're around, right? Now, if that doesn't, you know, because there are some that say, well, you know, predestination, you, know, you have no hope you know whether you're, you're going to be saved or not you don't have any choice. And then there's others say, "Oh, all the choice is mine, right? We've had this discussion, right?" So, you know, wherever somebody would stand on predestination, when I look at the scripture, it is just flat out on both sides. So what I see, what I what I see right here is rather than bring division, realize that it says right here, I mean, you look right here, it says, "so that they may seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him." God wants people to find him, and he draws them in. It doesn't say just this people or just these people or anything. Oh, man, God is so much bigger than the stupid arguments we can have here that has done nothing but divide the church. I love that he says he's not far from each one of us. Guys, if you're having a, a a time of ministry and sharing with somebody and you're talking to them about the, about the Lord and about the word, and you can say, no, God wants to know each and every one of us. Every one of us, it says. He is not far from each one of us. That doesn't speak to a distant God that doesn't care. You find yourself ministering to somebody that's there, say, nope. That's what the, the, the Epicureans, you say that, someone's head, to well, huh? they're not going to give you that dog turn the head look, right? They don't know what an Epicurean is. But those, those people that were just saying, you know what, the gods don't even care about us because you don't know the true God. And that's the one he was there to proclaim to them. He does. Paul says, for in him we, we live and move and have our being." Paul has already laid the foundation back in verse 25 that God gave life, breath, and all things. Then he goes. Then he says here, since we are God's offspring, we're not like gold, silver, or stone. Well, then why would God be? You've got all these altars out there, and you've got all these fake things that have been made by man. Look at Isaiah. I love Isaiah. How, how the Lord spoke through Isaiah to write. And he's like, you know, you guys can chop down a tree and you're going to use the wood, some of the wood for this and building this. And you're going to cook up your bacon and eggs. And you're going to do all these things. Then you're going to hew out, hew out, hew, hew out. you're going to whittle it out. We'll say whittle, right? Your own God, right? And then you're going to bow down to it. How foolish is that? Oh, man. Paul just flat out saying, you know, if we're, if we're made in his image. So, so Paul just brilliantly laid that all out. He goes, "And if we're like God, if we're made in his image, if we're his offspring, we're not made of gold and silver and stone. Why would God be?" He's just addressing everything uh, right there and he's drawing them in now. You know, God's a creator. If if you know man and his art can uh, can create God and shape God, it's not he's not or whatever it is is not God. Verse 30. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this by raising him from the dead. So Paul goes and he says, okay, so I laid the foundation and I've told you everything you need to know right now. Now you're at a point where you either need to accept it or reject it. And That's what he's saying to him because God overlooked it then, but he's not going to anymore. Have you ever had somebody tell you, I don't want to know? Don't tell me. Don't tell me about anything. Don't tell me. Right. But I've actually been in those situations. Like I was better off not knowing that in my ignorance. No, you weren't. We need to know the Lord. We need to understand who he was. Why wouldn't we want somebody to come to faith to know that there's a loving God that did did everything uh, to share his love with us and to show his love for us? That he would send his only begotten son to die in our place to pay for our sins. What What is a better and, and, and more beautiful uh, picture than that? There is no better story. There is no better truth than that. Paul was saying, I just spelled it all out for you. You want to know who the, ungo- uh, the the unknown God is? Here he is. And he's the one that isn't made like all these other ones, up to 3,000, you know, all these altars everywhere. All those guys are fakes, is what he's saying. This is the one and only true God. And he's he's laid that foundation. He's like, he doesn't even need all the gold and silver and stone and all that stuff, all that junk. You can chuck that in a cart and pull it away if you want, whatever you're going to do with it. The real God doesn't. If we're made in his image, he doesn't need those things. He says God commands men everywhere to repent. All men everywhere to repent. When we hear the gospel. And the gospel is calling us away uh, from a life of bondage to sin. And repent means to be going in this direction and do a U-turn and go in the way of, of God. That's what exactly what it's talking about. A change of direction. Oh man, what an awesome thing. That God would take us from that which is binding our hands, binding our feet, binding our soul. And keeping us from knowing him. That God just lovingly calls out to us and says... Oh, you know what? I want you to repent and turn to me. And that's where we find life, right? Then he says, Jesus Christ will judge the earth. Jesus Christ is going to judge the earth. The one that was rejected from this earth will come back and judge it. The one who he has ordained. He has given us assurance to this, uh, to all by raising him from the dead. When Jesus said, when he came here, he said he was going to be rejected, he was going to be crucified, and three days later he was going to rise again. If you want to know, Jesus was explaining, if you want to know whether I am who I am, you'll know when I I rise from the dead. It's a summary. So he didn't say it exactly like that. When the resurrection was proclaimed, we're going to see right here in verse 32, some mocked. Look at verse 32, and, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So w- when they heard the word resurrection, immediately you've got the mockers. Some can't come back to life, right? Then you've got others like, ah, we don't really know. We'll hear you again on it. Verse 33, so Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed among them, Dionysus, Dionysius, uh, the Arab and I don't recommend naming your kid that in America. But uh, and um, and a woman named Demarius, that one's easier, uh, and others with them. Dionysus, Dionysius. Dionysius. Like, there we go. Right, Dionysius. Okay. Um, maybe I should have uh, listened to that one a couple uh, a couple times more. But anyways, so the response. To, to him preaching the gospel to them is that some mocked and some said we we're not really ready we need to hear some more look at Paul's response so Paul departed <laughs> he's like no I just laid it I don't have anything else to share with you so Paul departed he Paul had proclaimed the gospel and they now had to process it and make a choice Paul's work was done there sorry Sure, uh, you know he had uh, shared individually. You know, I'm sure it wasn't like, "No, I'm leaving." If anybody had a question individually, uh, we do see here that those two people—I'm not going through their names again—that they had had followed him, and some others went with them. You know, Paul uh, would go to places, and some would come to faith, and some wouldn't. Paul would stay when they did, and he would disciple them, and he'd train them and, and instruct them, and then he'd move on as the Spirit led him. You know, some men and women made the decision to seek uh, Paul and to, and to follow seek the Lord uh, following Paul's leadership because they knew that's where the truth was. Guys, we find ourselves in the same spot today. We can sit there and go over and over and over and over again, I, I, you know, uh, speaking with a, a brother loves the Lord very much, and he's just like, I think I'm done ministering to this person. I've shared everything I can with them. Now they need to make the decision. doesn't mean you don't have to say hi to them or still encourage them, but if you're going to say, they say, hey, can we have another four-hour meeting and I'm going to ask you the same questions and then not repent and I'm not going to turn to God even though I know that's what I'm supposed to do, they're wasting your time. right? We can minister, love on people, share with them, share Christ, share the truth. Tell them they need to be growing in the Lord. But if you notice, you know what? We're not getting anywhere. Just say, hey, I think, think I'm done having these conversations with you. I pray that you will come to the Lord and come to know him. But what a what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful chapter. I encourage you all, and I, I, for all of us, if we're going to embrace uh, what we just learned, uh, be like the church at Berea. Dive right into the scriptures. Are these things true? Of course, he went on to Athens and he came from Thessalonica and all those things. Dive into the word. Get to know the Lord more and share him and be ready. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word and how you minister to us and that you want us to grow. You want us to search the scriptures. Lord, the belief that searching the scriptures are going to leave us more lost is, is foolishness. And from our enemy, it's a lie. God, we know that as we search the scriptures, we come to know you more. Help us to do so. And Lord, not only search them and understand them, but to apply them to our lives and submit our will to yours. That we would have true freedom in walking in you. The freedom, Lord, to love you and to love others as ourselves. To experience that fullness of life of walking with you. Other than the lies that this world gives us. Saying that there's fulfillment and Whatever the world has to offer us, drinking, sex, drugs, whatever it is, all those things take from us. Lord, you take from us our sin, our guilt, our shame, and give us life. We thank you for the one true God that you are and that you reach out to us and you love us. We have a relationship with you because of what you've done for us. Praise your name, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.